The rules of retirement have changed. No longer can most of us rely on Social Security or a single pension to fund our futures. We're living longer, and retirement doesn't just last a handful of years anymore. Instead, you might stay retired for 20 or 30 years, and maybe even more. We need to look at retirement through a new lens, with fresh eyes, with a new approach and plan of attack. Here to answer the call are financial advisors John Texera and Nick McDevitt of PFG Private Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Tampa Bay area. This podcast is Retirement Planning Redefined, and it starts right now. Hey everybody, welcome into another edition of Retirement Planning Redefined. Thanks as always for checking out and tuning into the podcast with John and Nick, financial advisors at PFG Private Wealth. Gents, what's going on? John, I'll start with you. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you doing, Mark? I'm hanging in there. How's the little ones doing? I know they you had some cold running through the house. Everybody getting better? They're getting much better, which is good. Um, no more uh, getting coughed in my face a lot less this week. So, uh, you know, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. And Nick, how are you, my friend? Good, good. Looking forward to the holidays coming up here and all kinds of good food. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you a, are you a Thanksgiving kind of guy? I have become more so after my brother started deep frying turkeys a couple of years ago. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, so no YouTube yeah. videos of that now. So just be careful. We don't want to see any. Oh YouTube, yeah, you know, flying nah, turkeys to him. I guess yeah, you. he's got it all under control. Fantastic, awesome. Yeah, at the time of this podcast taping, it is just about Thanksgiving. Uh, it's just about here on us, and so we're going to continue on with our uh, multi-part series we've been doing about Social Security. So hopefully you've been checking these out, and if you have, great. If you have not, make sure you go to the podcast podcast page. You can find it on their website at pfgprivatewealth.com. That's pfgprivatewealth.com. And you'll find the podcast page. You can uh, subscribe to it on Apple or Google or Spotify. I think there's other couple choices there as well. So make sure you do a lot of good content that we're discussing. Uh, this is a multi-part series all around Social Security. And part four here is going to be on Social Security Spousal benefits, not deep frying turkeys. That'll come another day. But uh, Social Security spousal benefits. So, guys, let's get into this and just kind of break down some information for us on, uh, you know, I guess what we're entitled to or, you know, how that how this whole thing uh, kind of works. Sure. So just kind of a recap on, you know, how eligibility works for Social Security. Essentially, somebody needs to work, you know, for 40 quarters, pay payroll taxes for those 40 quarters, and they become eligible for their own benefit. However, you know, one of the common questions that we may get is one spouse stayed at home, one spouse worked, uh, the spouse that stayed at home didn't get their 40 quarters, and they want to know, are they eligible for any sort of benefit? So it's important to understand that, you know, as long as the couple is married, the person that has not qualified for the benefit is eligible for a spousal benefit. And that spousal benefit is essentially calculated by looking at the full retirement amount benefit for the spouse that was working and multiplying it by 50%. So, you know, that's the starting line. That's kind of how you understand how they calculate that. And the reason that they did, you know, create that was, you know, understanding that households, you know, it's not always cut and dry from the standpoint of, you know, when one spouse is working, there's obviously value to the other spouse staying home, helping to raise a family, and they want to protect that spouse in situations like you know divorce or, or you know other sorts of scenarios by providing them with this kind of caveat for how the the benefits work. 
Okay. And yeah, so the simple way to break it down. So give us some more, uh, John, give us some more things to think about here when we're talking about the eligibility of spouses, um, you know, maybe some rules, things of that nature. Yeah. So um, basically some of the rules before you can collect a spousal benefit, the primary worker must have filed. So wait until um, the spouse actually draws, then you can go ahead and take your spousal benefit. Spouses can actually start taking at age 62. That's the soonest that you can start taking. Yeah. So a, a kind of a good example of that is, so let's say, you know, Mr. Smith has been a worker and Mrs. Smith, you know, stayed at home with the family and raised the family. And a couple of years ago, two years ago, she started working, you know, so she's not eligible for her own benefit. So Mr. Smith is going to continue to work and Mrs. Smith is trying to figure out, hey, I'm also 62. Can I file for benefit? So the answer is not until Mr. Smith essentially retires and files for his benefit. So that's where those, you know, the restrictions on the ages kind of come to play. And when John referred to that primary worker must have filed for their benefits, there used to be some other rules in place where you can kind of navigate around, uh, but they've really cut down and things are a lot more restricted than they used to be. Yeah. And just to kind of give some numbers to that, let's say Mr. Smith's uh, full retirement benefit was 2400 Mrs. Smith's spousal benefit would be, as Nick mentioned, 50% of that, so 1200 And again, so her spousal benefits based off of his full retirement amount benefit, not what he actually gets. So... Um, Example of that would be, you know, when she goes to draw, let's say if he started taking early and he didn't get his full 2400 she's not penalized by that. Her 50% is still the 1200 assuming she draws at her full retirement age. If she decides to take early at 62, she'll actually have a reduction of um, her spousal benefit. It is important for people to understand that, you know, there's the dates on when people start to receive the benefits are calculated or factored in, I should say, for each person. So it factored in potentially when, you know, Mr. Smith files and starts collecting. And it's also factored in when Mrs. Smith files and starts collecting. And so there's a lot of different variations in how that works. And because there are so many different variations, we typically, you know, recommend to people that, you know, I was help you kind of walk through the different scenarios. Let's test out different scenarios and figure which one makes the most sense because there are so many factors that go into the decision. We understand a lot of people like to just, you know, they want a cut and dry answer. And uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, the positive to there not being a cut and dried answer is that, you know, oftentimes they can be strategic and, and find something that works better for them than if it were cut and dry. But it does take uh, factoring in a lot of other things uh, to make the right decision. Yeah, our first answers to certain questions are, it depends. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's the case a lot of times, I think. Yep. And, uh, you know, one, one question we actually get a lot, um, and we talked about in the last sessions, was, you know, if you draw Social Security after full retirement age, you actually get an 8% increase in your benefit. Um, that does not work for spousal benefits. So if spouse doesn't want to take or they want to defer their spousal benefit, they do not get the 8% increase on that. Yeah. So uh, we, we have seen that mistake happen. You know, the primary person has decided, hey, let's wait to collect the benefit because they, they are under the assumption that not only will their benefit grow by 8%, but the spousal benefit that, that their spouse will take will grow 
and that's not the case. Only their benefit grows, the spousal benefit does not. So when we run kind of break-even calculations, it can often make sense to just have them start collecting so that they can get both of them. Yeah. And then, um, you know, it's important to understand also for, uh, to be eligible for spousal benefits, uh, you have to be married at least one year. So um, can't be uh, just getting married out of six months, start drawing on Social Security for a spouse. Yeah. 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 I guess they, they, they're not going to just let, you know, they're not going to make it too easy for you anyway. Uh, all right. So that's some good rules. That's some good basic information there. Uh, what are what's some strategies? Give us a few things to think about when it comes to the spousal benefit options. Yeah. And like we said, everyone's situation is different and it really depends. And, and it's important to customize uh, what works for you. And I think we offered in our last sessions, but if anyone wants it, we can actually uh, run social security maximization strategies, which we're happy to do so. But uh, one thing that we'll do with um, some spousal strategies, depending on the situation, we might have uh, one spouse claim early and delay the other spouse, depending on the situation. You know, example of that would be, let's say we have a high earner and um, they want to protect the spouse in case uh, of premature death. So we might go ahead and have the high earner whose Social Security benefits higher actually delay theirs. So, you know, if they were to pass away prematurely, that spouse can actually jump onto a higher amount, a uh, higher Social Security benefit, which is a nice strategy to protect a surviving spouse. I've used that a couple of times when there's uh, an age gap on the spouses or if um, they're, you know, sometimes clients will come in, they're just concerned saying, Hey, I'm really concerned something would happen to me. You know, is, is my, my spouse can be okay. We'll go ahead and implement some strategies like that. Another time where that can be used is, you know, let's say that the primary earner has worked at a, in an occupation where they're eligible for a pension and they're going to receive a pension and they, you know, kind of through planning or, or whatever it may be, or like the example that John mentioned where the spouse is, is maybe quite a bit younger. So when the other spouse is quite a bit younger, it pulls down the pension amount that the primary person would receive. So offset that a little bit, we might recommend, well, hey, instead of doing a 100% survivor benefit on the pension, let's do a 50% so that you can have a, a higher payout. But to offset that, what we'll do is we'll have you wait to take Social Security until 70 so the pension amount that the spouse would receive would be less, but we can offset that waiting on Social Security a little bit and still have more income coming in the household. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So a couple of different strategies there to consider. And I think a lot of times people sometimes don't plan ahead for that part. It's like we're sitting there talking about different, uh, when you're getting your retirement plan done, uh, I think sometimes we look at it overall and say, well, we want to turn social security on as soon as we can and yada, yada, yada. Instead of saying, okay, how can we most maximize our social security for both of us in an overall inclusive retirement plan? So it's certainly important to do it. And as John mentioned, you know, they, they can run that uh, uh, social security maximization. If you have some questions on that, if you want to get that done or have a chat with them, give them a call at 813-286-7776. That's 813-286-7776. And you can also check them out online at pfgprivatewealth.com. As I mentioned before, there are financial advisors here in the Tampa Bay area. So if you have some questions about that, again, as always, when you're listening to this show or any other show, uh, before you take any action, always check with a qualified professional about your specific situation because everybody's, it can be so different. So uh, make sure you're having that chat. All right, guys, I think in the interest of time, we can probably squeeze in a couple more things. Can you give us a few things to think about on divorced uh, spousal situations? Yeah, so it is important for people to understand that 
they are still eligible for a spousal benefit if they were married for 10 years and they are not remarried. So a scenario that we may see with that is (laughs) they were previously married to a high earner. Maybe they worked a lower paying job. Uh, They were married for 25 years, became divorced. They went back to work to cover expenses, et cetera. They may be in a relationship currently, but they're not officially married. And we kind of go through calculations and, and we determine that, hey, you know, the spouse benefit that you could receive from your former, former spouse would be higher than the benefit that you would receive on your own and or higher than the benefit that you would receive if you were to remarry, you know, your current partner. And obviously a lot of other factors go into that, but uh, from purely financial decision, that could work out really well. Uh, because again, you cannot collect that spousal benefit from a former spouse if you are remarried. We have had questions along the lines of, you know, hey, I was married twice, both were over 10 years. You know, am I restricted to choose just the most recent one? And the answer is no. You can pick the higher. Uh, we had a nice um, <laughs> young lady one time that had four. Uh, different 10 year marriages and she asked if she could add them all up together and unfortunately you no, can't yeah. um, it's just the higher so but she had um, a lot of options to yes, pick yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, it's good to have options yeah it's like, like window um, shopping apparently so yeah so so that's those are a couple of things to keep in mind yeah and um, you know one question we get a lot with uh, you know divorce clients they say how, how soon can I draw on you know the ex-spouse social security and really you can, you can draw an ex-spouse once that ex-spouse is age 62 unlike a kind of a normal situation we wait till the spouse draws a social security they put this rule in really to protect the um you know the ex-spouse because we, we've seen scenarios where certain people might de- delay drawing to intentionally hurt the other spouse and so they can't draw on them so basically the rule is once the ex-spouse hits over 62 you can actually start drawing on um the uh spousal benefit divorces yeah it does not matter whether or not they're collecting and also some people are happy about this some people are not but when you do file for that benefit from a former spouse again it does not affect their own benefit right right yeah um there's no negative impact to doing that to them yeah they don't Um, even know about it so yeah correct yeah they would have no idea and it actually wouldn't affect any new spouse for somebody so we get that question quite a bit where it says hey an ex-spouse draws on my social security does that affect my new you know wife or husband answers no yeah exactly yeah and and it's interesting on the time period on that it's funny that you kind of brought that up my mother who's 78 actually uh was given that information and asked uh, and did a refile with the social security for her first husband she was married twice as well and so yes yeah, she was able to do that and they hadn't been married in like 40 years uh but they were married over the 10 years so they they were like yep it's you know that's something you can do so i was like okay well knock yourself out so yeah, it's interesting. There's definitely some few things to consider in there, different kinds of uh, spousal benefit options, divorce spousal benefit options. So again, a lot of it comes down to having a conversation uh, about your specific situation with your advisor when it comes to Social Security, because there are a lot of things in Social Security, obviously, uh, which is why we're on a four-part series, going to be a five-part series, actually, around this. So 
With that said, I think we're going to depart this week on the program. I'll say, John and Nick, thanks for your time as always. We appreciate it. Folks, make sure you reach out to them. Give them a call if you've got some questions at 813-286-7776. 813-286-7776. Again, that number to call. And as always, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, Retirement Planning Redefined. Uh, you can find it on Apple, Google, or Spotify. You can also just find it on their website at PFG Private Wealth. Dot com and at the, I said at the beginning of this that uh, it was prior to Thanksgiving when we were taping this. Now it will will actually uh, air it after Thanksgiving. So we certainly hope that everybody had a great holiday season, and uh, we'll see you for more of our conversation around Social Security through the month of December right here on Retirement Planning Redefined. For John, for Nick, we'll see you next time. PFG Private Wealth Management LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. The topics and information discussed during this podcast are not intended to provide tax or legal advice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed on this podcast. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Insurance products and services are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed insurance agents.